And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Focusing on the Week 10 waiver wire on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 for Tuesday, November 10th. I am Michael Beller. It's November 10th and the start of Week 10. Joined, as always, by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Doing well. It feels like the prolonged summer uh, that we had here in the upper Midwest is coming to a close, but I enjoyed the extra nice weather while we had it. Yeah, so did I. It was a lovely weekend for sure, a fun weekend in the football world, and now we spin it forward to Week 10. Uh, we're going to focus on the waiver wire here, but I just want to run through a couple of quick news stories. No real reaction needed, just some things to be aware of. First, Nick Chubb back in practice for the Browns on Monday. He will return this week from that knee injury, so get ready to fire Nick Chubb up this week. Andy Dalton will start when he is ready. That could be uh, as soon as the Cowboys' next game. They have a bye in Week 10, but perhaps as soon as Week 11, you get Andy Dalton back. Jake Luton's going to make at least one more start with Gardner Minshew nursing that thumb injury. Could be a little bit more than just one more start. Meanwhile, Kyle Allen done for the season. No surprise there after he dislocated his ankle so Alex Smith takes back over what a story there as the starter for the Washington football team and finally Kenyon Drake being listed early this week as day-to-day with that ankle injury so there is a possibility that we do get him back as soon as this week and now we turn our attention to the waiver wire Derek is an interesting waiver wire this week because there's not a ton of volume on it but it does feel as though there are a couple of impact players especially at the wide receiver position so that is where I want to start Curtis Samuel the first guy who jumps out at me another big game for Samuel in the Panthers near upset of the Chiefs in week nine got nine targets cut all of them for 105 yards and a touchdown three more carries also just 13 yards but they are getting him involved in the run game with Christian McCaffrey potentially going right back to the inactive list after suffering a shoulder injury. Hard to imagine that that Curtis Samuel involvement in the run game is going to slow down. And, you know, maybe even with McCaffrey out there, it probably isn't going to slow down. Yeah, I just think Samuel's one of those players who brings a lot of versatility. And when you have a field stretcher like Robbie Anderson, and then you've got DJ Moore who can run all different kinds of routes all over the place, plus McCaffrey who's a matchup nightmare sometimes just running routes like a receiver himself. Samuel's yet one more unique weapon that you have to account for. He can do a ton of damage. The thing that's really standing out to me, aside from the increased usage overall with targets being easier for him to come by, we're seeing more efficiency from Curtis Samuel. And he looked like a big play player coming out of Ohio State, but I was really surprised through his first three seasons to see uh, such mediocre efficiency numbers, mostly through the passing game, right? I mean... 54 catches a year ago for 627 yards. It's six yards per target. And I realize that that was a lot of Kyle Allen last year, but 
Samuel's the kind of guy that should be able to do some damage after the catch. We're seeing him get 8.5 yards per target this season. It's the best of his career. It's yet another mark in the favor of this coaching staff. If you didn't believe in Matt Rule and Jill Brady earlier this season, I think you're probably getting to the point now where you're looking at those guys and saying, yeah, they know what they're doing, and they're maximizing the value of pretty much everybody in this offense right now. So I think we've been a little disappointed by DJ Moore in recent weeks especially, but this could be a Carolina offense that sustains four plus a quarterback week in and week out just based on the attempts, the way they move the ball around. And I think Curtis Samuel should be rostered pretty much everywhere. And there's probably a handful of leagues where he's still available. He'd be the, the best available receiver in most leagues. Yeah, definitely. And actually more than a handful. You're able to find him uh, in about 70% of Yahoo leagues, a little bit more than 50% of CBS leagues. And that's surprising given the involvement he's had. And uh, you hit the nail on the head Derek with Matt Rule, Joe Brady, and the way that they've gotten the most out of everyone, especially Curtis Samuel. We've been waiting for this from Curtis Samuel ever since he joined the NFL in 2017, and credit where credit's due. This is a hat tip to our buddy Brandon Funston, who made this point on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast on Monday. At last year, that Curtis Samuel spent at Ohio State, he got 97 carries that season, 74 receptions and 97 carries, basically a hybrid running back receiver, and that just was never fully in the cards for him in a way that it felt like it should be in his first three years in Carolina under the previous regime. And now with Matt Rule and Joe Brady there, you know, maybe no surprise that the, these two guys coming from these big-time college programs that they came from found a way to get a guy who also came from a big-time college program getting back to a college style of play and his college style of production. So Curtis Samuel, definitely someone who should be rostered pretty much across the board here. Uh, I want to say he's actually the 1A or the 1. I, I don't know if that, I'm going to put a ton of distance between him and this next guy because we've been talking about Alan Lazard here for a couple of weeks, Derek. Uh, if you haven't already picked him up, obviously uh, you know that Derek and I are both on board with this. Uh, Green Bay, desperate, I think, for a number two receiver, and Alan Lazard is for sure going to be that guy. He should be returning this week against Jacksonville. Nearly returned last week in the Thursday night game against San Francisco. And with him back for the Packers, got to believe that there is no doubt about who the number two receiver in this offense is. Yeah, I mean, I think the appeal, if you wanted to go with Lazard over Samuel, you're probably doing it because there's less competition for targets week in and week out. The Packers, as you said, are desperately looking for someone behind Devontae Adams to be that consistent second option. It looked like Lazard was emerging to be that player, had a season-high eight targets back in week three, six for 146 in a score in that game against the Saints, and that's, of course, the last time we saw him. Uh, the Packers have been very conservative with bringing players back from injury. So my hope would be that he comes back and he's at a pretty low risk of a setback from this core muscle repair surgery because of their patience. And, you know, the opportunity, it's clearly there. Marquez Veldez-Scantling didn't take advantage of Lazard's absence to develop more rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they've you know, used Robert Tanyan at tight end as a, a bigger part of the passing game for a few stretches, but even that hasn't been consistent week over week. So this is a great opportunity for Lazard. A nice matchup to come back to if he's ready to go in week 10 against the Jags as well. One of the easier remaining matchups on the Packers schedule, actually. 
Yeah, we saw both Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller get going against that Jags defense in Week 9. Have to imagine uh, that Aaron Rodgers will enjoy playing against it just as much as Deshaun Watson did. And, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling in that Thursday night game last week did score two touchdowns, but he was wide. I mean, all alone, wide open on both of those. And the more important play, I think, for Marquez Valdez-Scantling going forward was a brutal, I think, third down drop that he had early in the game. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, if you could, if you could just get someone onto your practice squad simply with a glare at them. Aaron Rodgers gave that glare to MVS. He will be very happy to see Alan Lazard back on the field. And let's throw it back to when Alan Lazard was playing before the core muscle injury. Three games this season. Week one, four catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Week two, three for 45. Week three, that was a game without Devontae Adams. Six catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. Alan Lazard is not going to ask to be doing that with Devontae Adams on the field, but he is going to be asked to be the number two pass catcher in this offense, and that's something that he definitely has. And we've said it time and time and time again. It bears repeating one more time here. Aaron Rodgers typically is going to give us two fantasy-relevant receivers, even if the top one, Devontae Adams, is hogging a lot of the work. And that's not going to go away, even with Alan Lazard back, but we can trust Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Jones, to still give us a second fantasy-relevant receiver or pass catcher, and we think that is going to be Alan Lazard. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's move things over now to the running back position here, Derek. We actually do have a handful of guys here who are at least interesting enough to talk about. I don't think any of these three guys who we're going to bring up moves the needle all that much, but they all deserve a little bit of discussion here. So let's start with Duke Johnson. David Johnson is in concussion protocol. The way concussion protocol seems to go these days, uh, most guys are going to miss at least one week. So let's just assume we're getting Duke Johnson for one start. Uh, Revenge game against the Browns in Week 10. 16 carries for 41 yards and a touchdown four catches for 32 yards uh, last week in the Texans win over the Jaguars. It's probably one and done for Duke Johnson, so that makes me not all that excited in him. But 
you look at all that work he got, 20 touches in the game. I mean, if you're getting that, there is still some value in a one-week player who can get that many opportunities to make an impact. Yeah, and I think Duke Johnson, you know, he's a solid player, but he's not really a guy that you've been looking at for the last couple seasons saying, well, he gets if he gets a future job, he's going to be outstanding with it. I think he'll be good enough, and mm-hmm. it kind of fits the typical description of a waiver wire running back. I think it's pretty comparable to the skill set that Gio Bernard brings to this table at this stage of Bernard's career. I think early career Gio Bernard was probably a little bit better than Duke, but that doesn't really matter now. I think <laughs> if you're going to pick up Duke, you're expecting a dozen carries, four or five receptions, and he's still very touchdown dependent. I think that's the main concern that you have. Right. You go back through his career, and you look for opportunities where he's carried the ball ten or more times in a game. It's only happened five times in his career. This is his sixth season in the league. So workhorse workload seems like a stretch, especially on a team where you have a quarterback who can take it off and and run it himself into Sean Watson. Uh, so you know it's it's worth picking up Duke, uh, but keep the expectations in that RB twenty five to RB thirty yeah. range because it'd be hard for him to get much above that barring a crazy two or three touchdown game or something that is extremely fluky. Yeah, and you can't really even count on him having the ownership of the backfield in week 10 that he had in week nine because teams have to adjust with what they have, right? And so the Texans practiced the entire week with David and Duke Johnson, their one and two running backs who have been their one and two running backs all season as those guys. And it's not like they can just move the pieces around on the fly this week if they know they're playing without David Johnson then they practice in a different way. So even though Duke would move up the depth chart, I don't know if he necessarily locks down that sort of volume that we saw from him a week ago. So if you would go into it knowing it's a one-week play, he's a fine guy to claim, but really you know, use some caution when you are going after Duke Johnson on the waiver wire this week. I think the same can be said for J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick, definitely viable in full PPR leagues. I think that's probably the only spot where he is viable, but if that's the sort of league you play in, we're talking about basically a, a, a version of James White, a lesser version of a couple years ago James White. The offense isn't nearly as good, and that's why he's a lesser version, but J.D. McKissick is basically getting that exact same opportunity that propelled James White to some monster PPR seasons. He has six catches in four of his last five games with the big one coming in week nine after Alex Smith took over for the injured Kyle Allen. J.D. McKissick ended that game with 14 targets, caught nine of them for 65 yards. Washington is at Detroit in week 10. And again, if we're talking about a a context where J.D. McKissick is viable, I think he might be the best running back available because if you're in a full PPR league, the J.D. McKissick has some value for the rest of the season. It's not tied to someone being injured or anything like that. He's going to catch a lot of balls the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more multi-week appeal with McKissick than there is with Duke just based on you know the situations in those respective backfields. But with J.D. McKissick, I think he's still pretty game script dependent, even though that pass catching role is pretty clearly his in Washington. And they have another back who does catch some passes with Antonio Gibson, but Gibson can line up like a receiver if they want him to do that. The concern I have with the matchup this week against the Lions is that the Lions are only three and a half point favorites. I don't really look at that team and say, yeah, they're just going to run away with it and Washington's going to be throwing all game long. I think that's just my general concern with McKissick, right? He doesn't do really much of anything on the ground. He's probably not getting carries around the goal line. So he has to have a game script that gets him out there for more than four or five targets. It's a really nice floor for full PPR leagues, but there are a lot of ways it can go wrong. So I'm preaching caution, even coming off a game where he was really heavily involved. 
And as the point you make is well taken here because that game against the Giants, the Washington was down uh, by two, three scores very early, and they rallied back, and they made it a game, and they nearly pulled out the come-from-behind victory, uh, but it was a game in which the game script couldn't have unfolded per- better for J.D. McKissick than it did in the first half. So uh, definitely going to be someone who is still game script dependent, but is going to have some week-to-week appeal because of the role that he has in Washington's offense. Last running back I want to talk about here, admittedly, this one is a little bit speculative, but David Montgomery also in concussion protocol. The Bears uh, turned to Cordero Patterson and Ryan Nall after David Montgomery left the loss to the Titans. They are not going forward with David Montgomery and Ryan Nall, and right now sitting on their practice squad for the better part of a month has been Lamar Miller, a far more accomplished running back in his career than either of those guys. If Montgomery is out in week 10 against the Vikings, and it is the Monday night game, so you have to wait for it, maybe the extra day could play to his favor. I got to believe that Lamar Miller is going to be leading this backfield with Montgomery out. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what the workload would look like. You're still going to see a little bit of Patterson, but not a lot. So are we talking a 15-touch sort of floor for Lamar Miller if David Montgomery can't play? You give him 15 touches, you're probably looking at about 60 yards, give him a few passes in there as well. Maybe he gets you 70 or 80 from scrimmage and pretty much like the standard fill-in running back. Does he score or does he not score? I, I wonder just how close to the previous version of Lamar Miller is he at this point? If it's taken this long for him to get a role in this offense, that gives me a little bit of pause. But I'm definitely interested if Montgomery doesn't play, which says a lot about the state of the other backs that the Bears have been trying to get by with throughout most of the time since Tariq Cohen's gone down. Yeah, it really does. And the one thing that would give me a little bit more interest in Lamar Miller is there's a non-zero chance that he could carve out a meaningful role with a good game or two. I mean, David Montgomery has not been good this season, and the Bears' offensive line has been terrible this season. So it hasn't all been Montgomery's fault, but some of it has been Montgomery's fault. And with a good game in not a bad spot against Minnesota, maybe Lamar Miller uh, makes some sort of role for himself in the Chicago offense. And when I say maybe, I mean like 3 to 5% chance. But it's still something of a chance, so I would have a tiny bit more interest in him because of that. But again, Miller, McKissick, Johnson, these are guys that are likely in short-term low-value situations, but still guys who are going to be interesting on the waiver wire, interesting enough that we're going to have some claims in on him this week. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can still get in just $1 a week. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to do so. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We'll be right back here with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you.